I'm Allison Van Hooser, and I'm on a sold-out mission to develop highly successful leaders at all levels. In the 15 years I've been working throughout the food, financial, retail industries, and politics, I've become deeply aware of the powerful effects of leadership. In each episode, you will get strategies and actions you can use immediately in order to change you, your team, and your business. The question is, will you choose to own it? Will you put your stake in the ground and decide to do something with what you've learned today? This is Stake, the Leadership Podcast. Hey there, if you are wondering if your organization's culture can or could positively impact your bottom line, you don't want to miss a second of today's episode. Gabe is here today because I had an interaction with his company almost seven years ago. And I'm being totally honest. That experience opened my eyes to the bottom line value of organizational culture in a way that I can truly never overlook, underestimate, or ignore again. So if you are concerned with profitability and recruiting and retaining employees and serving your customers better, I'm giving you, I'm serving up an example of a company that is killing it. And I know that because I've seen it from the outside. And it's my hope that you learn something today that you're able to take back and immediately implement in your organization. So to kick things off, first, I want to introduce you to Gabe. So Gabe, will you tell us, first of all, how to pronounce your last name? And then will you give us a little bit of background about Kasasa? I haven't told the organization yet. Kasasa, I'll leave it over to you, Gabe. Sure. It's uh, Gabe Kragic like magic. Um, and I've been given that answer since I was about five years old. That's and- awesome. Uh, what Casas is up to, well, it started off as Bankview, and we had a product called Reward Checking that was very successful for a lot of community banks and credit unions. And in 2008, uh, we looked at our client base and said, man, that's like the seventh largest bank in the country if they were a single bank and they were operating you know, out of all those branches based on branch reach. And we looked at what they were spending advertising our products that we were powering. And it was, you know, it was 2008. It was a lot of money back then, $50 million. And it's like, it hit us. Why is it that no community bank or no consumer really knows what we are, what the products are? Here we are, this great, amazing checking account that back at that time was paying four or 5% interest, free ATMs nationwide, but no one had ever heard of it. And it's because every individual community FI was supporting our product with their individual voices, each one calling the product something different. And so to the to the consumer, it just sounds like static noise. And so what we created with the idea of Casasa was a way to help community financial institutions win by giving them combined scale effects in their marketing, which we provide, as well as a lot of the product designs that allow them to give better products to their consumers, that help the consumers in, in real meaningful ways. Like we, one of our rules is always take the consumer's best interest to heart. We can't make bad profits, which is profits from screwing somebody over. So everybody has to win in the transaction. And that's the mindset and the, cons- the product design all the way through to how we support our FIs. And Casasa's goal is to help community financial institutions reassert themselves as a real go-to place for consumers, which is a more and more daunting task every day that innovation occurs. Absolutely. I, I'm going to share a story about my interaction with your company, because when I hear you say that, I literally start to picture what I've seen on your website, what I've seen on your walls, which is what you call the patch. 
And if you're listening to this, you have to know it's been seven years. I've had two or three babies since I've been there. I have switched careers. I've written books. So much has happened in seven years, but I have never forgotten my experience with them. So they gave mentioned that they do some marketing for organizations. I, whenever I was working in the banking industry, the bank I worked with, they helped us redesign our website. We looked like we were still from the 1900s whenever we finally met Gabe and his team. Through the process of helping us redesign that website, we were also looking into the rewards checking program they offered. We went down to their office in Austin and we got to meet the executive team there and learn more about their company and how their services really could impact our bottom line. And while I was there, they talked about who they are, what their mission is. They talked about how if they put all of the community banks together, how they could, and I'm putting this in my own words, so feel free to oh, nail it. But they could fight back against bigger banks who were holding so much of the market share. So I remember riding on the plane back home and I had taken notes the whole time of everything you were saying, of every area of the patch. And I was incredibly enthusiastic. And you can probably already see by now, and if you're listening to this, we've probably already had interactions on stage and stuff. You all know I'm full of energy. I'm not kidding that when I came back and I went to the executive meeting and I told them about what all we talked about, I got up and did a karate kick in the meeting. I mean, (laughs) I can feel your culture in my bones and I was just a customer, but where it mattered to me, what stuck out in my mind even now is I remember we were designing the website. And now that I've done a lot of graphic design, I realize how frustrating it can be to work with someone else, someone else and have to please someone else based on the design work that you're doing. And there were moments in the design process where we, our team was being difficult to work with. We wanted to see a bunch of different things and a bunch of different colors and a bunch of different ways. And now I understand as an entrepreneur that um, it doesn't always work well that way. So I'm sitting at the table with the CEO of the bank and tensions are getting heated. We're on a conference call with some people on your team, the people who were overseeing the development of our new site. And we could all, we could feel it. We could taste it, that everyone was aggravated. And at one point your employee, which I would give anything, I know it was a woman. I would give anything if I could remember her name. She said, I think we need to pause the conversation for a second. And so the CEO and I sat there and we listened. And she said, I need you to know that at the time it was still Bankview. She said, but I'll, we'll say Casasa. I need you to know that at Casasa, we love our employees. And it is my goal here to make sure that you not only love your product, but that you also fall in love with us too. And that, I even have cold chills. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That was that culture that I was so excited about in action. And I'm not kidding. If we would have continued to have a negative interaction, who knows where the business transaction would have ended up. But I was sold at that moment. And that's the reason for today's episode, because your culture, if it is clear, if your employees understand it, which when they understand it, they know how to show up for their coworkers, for Uh, customers that they're working with, then it can directly affect your bottom line. 
So with uh, all of that being said, Gabe, would you talk about the patch? Sure. Um, The patch was my solution to my first failure in my first business. And it was a successful business. We investors 10x their money. But I felt like it was a failure because my rewind, understand the patch, understand me a little bit as a young man. I was about 20 when my dad uh, started to pass away from brain cancer. He was a successful entrepreneur and he had given me a lot of lessons about life and all kinds of stuff um, about loving employees. And remember that the employees have to know that you love them. That was something that I heard over and over again as a kid. And he also, his other mantra was no excuses, which was to me a, a code of excellence, like be excellent, just whatever it takes, find a way. If it's to be, it's up to me and make sure everybody knows that you love them. It's like, that's a neat combo, really high intensity, very, very high degrees of love. So my dad passes away. I was going to be in a surgeon, but I bad test. I have no hand-eye coordination. So I changed careers and find myself uh, leading this first company, Dealer Skins, which did website development for car dealerships. And this was, you know, when car dealers didn't have all, everybody didn't have a website yet. This was like 2001, 2002 in that range. And as I'm trying to get that company going, I mean, I I got the job through a weird series of events at the investment bank that I worked at. I didn't earn it. That's the bottom line. It was just handed to me. And I was like, do you want to go run this business? Now, before you get like really psyched about my privilege, that was only a $3,500 a month revenue business that had, you know, two employees on it. Um, well, three, one of them quit two weeks after I started because he wouldn't work for a damn 22 year old. Oh, um, so at that moment, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to be a leader. I don't know this industry. And I made a serious commitment to myself to try to be a good businessman, which to me was my dad. And so what good meant was I was going to leave positive ripples everywhere I went, which meant the culture had to be something that nourished people. The products had to make lives better. I mean, like websites for car dealers, hey, they need to sell cars. So connect to that. Like this is, a, this is an entrepreneur. He has a business. He's got something he needs to get done or she needs to get done. Candidly, rarely in the car business in 2001. <laughs> um, but, but there was, you know, people that had real world consequences of us not doing a great job. And, and that like to, to own that psychologically and then to connect it back to, and so the great job's going to come from employees that know that they're loved. And that was my guiding thing. And I, and I, we created the, the dealer skins culture. It was amazing. It was, uh, had two values, the dealer skin spirit of love, dealer skin standard of excellence, which was just my dad's values. And, uh, and it worked. We built a, an amazing little company. We sold it to uh, auto trader um, or, uh, which is it's actually we sold it to Trader Publishing, who owns uh, Auto Trader Magazine, at least at the time, and and it was a great exit. But they were a holding company, and so right after I left that company, I left Dealer Skins. They were a holding company. They put a new general manager in, but they changed nothing else. I go off and get started on helping at Bankview. I called up our uh, the last employee that I ever hired at Dealer Skins to see how the culture was going after I left, and she told me it had evaporated that if she asked people what the dealer skin spirit of love was, no one would know what it meant. They would think it was cheesy if they did. And basically just anything you thought you did to honor your father, forget it. It didn't happen. It was a nice little ripple while it was there, but you need to do over. So within a day or two, I had drawn the patch at, uh, at, at Bankview. And I was like, well, the problem was that I didn't have these words yet, but Jim Collins said it really nicely and built to last. Uh, I was a, time teller, not a clockmaker. 
So I was the time teller of the culture, but I had not built the clock. And so to me, the, the solution was this patch. Um, and it was just the start of a solution. It was like, first off, people connect to imagery more than they connect to words. Like, it's just, it's different. Like, I, I'm a pretty patriotic guy. Um, that used to be uncontroversial, but uh, the, the I see an American flag, I feel it. You know what I mean? Like, it's something like, oh yeah, connect to that. I remember this one day I was driving to see a banker in Iowa for a like Saturday morning meeting with their board. It was Friday night. I did not want to be out on the road in Iowa driving Friday night. I wanted to be home with my family. But all the beautiful cornfields and the sun is setting and there's this old rustic barn off to the side and a humongous painted American flag on it. And I still remember getting goosebumps as I drove by and going, yeah, America. Yes. And so like it would have been different if it had just said freedom. Now, that would have mattered, but it's not the same as all the other power that comes with the image. Right. And so that was first step. It's got to be an image. So we came up with four different symbols to represent the different four values, uh, which were just extensions of excellence, which we changed the name to bad attitude. Yes. It just sounded fun. And then uh, the love stayed love. And we added. Uh, five-star leadership, which is that every employee carries the rank of a five-star general, regardless of their role, you have the power to accomplish results as you see fit. And then on interdependence, we added, which is like how teams do work and it should, you know, collaboration, transparency, things like that. Um, and the patch was really just an attempt to try to create something that would be sustainable. And we infused it into everything that we did as an organization, um, operationally, how reviews are done, how onboarding's done, all the T-shirts, 50 or so tattoos. Um, I remember people, employees are getting that tattooed on themselves. Well, uh, people still do and wear them proudly. And I think it's pretty neat. You know, I mean, it says that those values are more than just company values. It's values that become true to a person. And the reason that it matters is like, the, I love your story. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that at all that that happened, Allison. Um, but it's like, that's why you have a culture and this is why it impacts the bottom line because I mean, bankers, which is the industry that we serve and credit unions. I mean, they've got a dang manual for every process, every single thing that has to happen. There's a book with steps and it tells you how to do it, how to do it in control. Cause you're going to be audited and all that stuff matters, but there are millions and I don't know, incalculable micro interactions that occur between people, whether those people are the other employees or the, the interactions are between a, a, a prospect, someone you're trying to sell or someone who's already a, a current client. And all of those little micro interactions, they're not governed by the policy. They're, they're governed by like, you know, like the state of mind that someone's in, what, what do they think of about the work that they're doing? They're like really like psychologically, there's a lot of different ways a, react, a person can react to the same stimulus. How they do it is gonna, is gonna rely a lot on the overall context of their life, where they live, what their company's up to. And when you know that your company, like for us is, you know, I think every company can find an amazing purpose that they're standing up for, but we, we wanna stand up for the little guys of banking, the community banks and credit unions. We believe that the power is better held. The power of your own money when you get a paycheck is better held by that local institution who's gonna reinvest it locally in that community as opposed to a mega institution, which is gonna do goodness knows what. And so that's something you can stand for. And it's like, it's not for everybody. I've had employees tell me straight to my face as they quit, I don't care about community banks. And as they're quitting, I'm like, I'm so glad you're leaving, but not because I don't love you as a person. And I don't think so. I think you're awesome. I want you to go find a place that you get excited about whatever it is, the way I get excited about what I get excited about. But what I can't have is a bunch of lukewarm people that think they can have more fun elsewhere, because what we're about is this. And I think that 
that's the thing that makes culture work is that when it stands for something, even when it's going to be not offensive, but not to the liking, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like ice cream. you got to be a flavor. You can't be vanilla and you got to pick one that you know that people are going to love, but know that not everyone loves it, no matter how good it is. Cause not everybody's flavor strawberry, even though strawberry is amazing. You know what I mean? So it's like, be the brand that you want to be and be it boldly. Ah, you are making me fired up. So I wrote something down that I had forgotten and maybe you don't do it anymore. Didn't at one point you paid people to leave? Like at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, if you don't want to be here, we're better off not having you. Best wishes. Here you go. And it's yes, and it's very positive. I mean, an email goes out. We say once a Spartan, always a Spartan. We always believe the best. One of our values is love. Love believes the best. So we're never like telling somebody good riddance. It's good luck. And also, this must not be the place for you. We're going to be the place for us. Uh, Your culture is so crystal clear. And you work with you work with a lot. We work with a lot of the same organizations and a lot of them. Well, even across industries, they're showing up with, if we say, how's the culture in your organization? Sometimes we get the response, um, I don't know exactly how to answer what culture even is. Or they say, you know, they start listing off their values, but their values are things um, that there's no symbol behind it. Things like we trust one another. We believe in one another. We value our employees. The way that you have, number one, I never considered the symbol brilliant having uh, the fact that that means so much and is so clear to people that they would get it on their body says something the other thing is that your symbol too it's not um there's power in your symbol as well if you're saying you know we are bringing together the underdog and we're taking this on your symbol is an example of that too i feel like i'm nerding out a little bit about your culture so let me go back to Uh, The people who are listening to this podcast, what can we learn? First, Gabe talked about having a symbol, a recognizable symbol, something that people can look at, not just words, but that is recognizable that even that symbol, they would be able to talk or at least could clearly think or evaluate what I'm about to do. Does it match up with the culture? So that the other thing is, um, is it Jim Collins who said, get the right people on the bus? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, the same thing there, you know, we, we're in a market where it's an employee's marketplace. They can go work at any other financial institution that they want to right now. If they're a good employee with a, especially if they have a good loan portfolio, something like that, they can name their price and they've got an opportunity. And uh, as an organization, of course, it hurts when people leave, but could you be doing more damage to yourself by letting people stay on who aren't bought into your culture, who don't really want to be there, who would be open to going somewhere else? It's possible. So just a couple of things for you to think of from this point. We have five minutes left, Gabe. And so the let me ask you a couple of questions. So for people who aren't familiar with your company, what you do, this is not a commercial for Casasa, but if you've heard it today and you're intrigued, maybe you are a community bank or a financial institution, a credit union, and you feel like the underdog and you want to take them on. Gabe, where can they find out more about your company? www.kasasa.com, K-A-S-A-S-A.com. One thing I'll say about that, um, I remember you all talking about the name Kasasa. And did you say, and tell me if I'm wrong, but that uh, humans like to make the sound K 
Yeah. There was research done. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's it. It's just K is a, is something that humans hear and notice more. And it's like, if you look at brands like Kleenex, Exxon, that K sound, I don't know, hooks in people's brain a little bit extra. So the name means absolutely nothing. We did a bunch of consumer research to see what people could remember and what they liked. And that worked. It's being intentional about what you do, whether it's your name or what symbol you give to exemplify your culture or what exactly how you define your culture, being intentional about it. Gabe, thank you for sharing today. You even shared about your father and my heart goes out to you for that. It's incredible how um, the influence on people's lives, it, it's, it continues long after they're gone. And into that. I'm, I'm so, uh, I guess... It warms my heart to hear about the influence of your dad, but um, I hope that even today, the influence that you've even had on me, uh, I guess, is just a little bit exciting to you. So I appreciate you, Gabe. Thank, Thank you. you so much for your time. Thank you, Allison. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For the links to everything mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes. And if you'd like more practical, tactical leadership development content, Go to www.vanhooser.com for my weekly blog and all the links to my social media channels. And if it makes sense to start improving the leadership skills of your managers and supervisors, let's talk about training options for your team. Email me at allison at Leaders, make the choice today to put your stake in the ground and own your leadership success. This is Stake the Leadership Podcast.